Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome today to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. I'm so thankful to be coming to you today from Okinawa, Japan. My family and I arrived here on March 21st, and we will be here until April 11th. As you may have heard me share in past recent episodes, our eldest daughter, Sierra, has desired to be a missionary here for 10 years. Since she was 14, she has wanted to move to Japan and serve these people and show them the love of Jesus. And we're really grateful because Sierra will be living in a city called Miyazaki, Japan. And my wife and the other kids are there right now. But my son Jonathan and I came to Okinawa about two days ago. And we always come to this church in Okinawa called Heaven's Church. It's led by a family called the Matsuda family. And the husband is actually very well known in the nation of Japan and around the world as he makes authentic Okinawan pottery. And it's really amazing how God has used them. They are believers. They love Jesus and have served him for many years. They have a church here. And I'll tell you more about what they do in just a moment. But you know, Japan is, some say, less than 1% or 2% Christian. And so there's a great need for the gospel to be preached in this nation. And one of the problems that Japan is having is that the nation's age is getting much older, but children are not being produced. Uh you know, Japanese couples, married couples, are not having children. And the government is even paying some of these families to stay at home, for the moms to stay at home and have more children. Because the older generation isn't going to have the care that they're going to need to be uh, served and loved on as they age. And they're also afraid of losing Japanese culture, which is a at least a 3,000-year-old culture. It's one of the oldest cultures in the world. But we've been coming to Japan every year since 2004. And one of the things that really drew me and our family here was not only the need for the gospel to be preached... But Japanese people are very conservative people. 
And there's not been great history of Christianity in the church here in Japan. Uh, in all these centuries, it's actually been very difficult place. Some have called Japan a graveyard for missionaries because people have been so resistant. You know, they have their own religion called Shintoism, which is a homemade religion from Japan. You have Buddhism. And, you know, the Buddhism in Japan, the Buddhism in China, the Buddhism in Korea, India, it's all uniquely different compared to each other's nations. But Japanese are largely atheists because that's what Buddhism breeds. I'm not saying that everybody is an atheist. I think that some would believe that there's a higher power. But the majority of people are taught to really be educated well and to work hard and be diligent. And so you have a nation that's very conservative, but yet those conservative values aren't necessarily built off of biblical values, which is really interesting. It's one of the few places I know of in the world that has a value for uh, conservative principles but don't really know why they have that. And to me, I really believe that even though Japan needs great awakening and revival, that the Lord wants to use this nation in a great outpouring to send missionaries around the world. And it's kind of a vision I've had for many years since 2004, one of the motivations why we come here. But all this to say that Japanese culture, you know, they're very artistic and creative and uh, very intelligent people. And so we've been coming here to Okinawa for many years. And Okinawa has its own unique history apart from Japanese history. So they even have their own language, Okinawan language. So the people here in Okinawa that were with the Matsuda family, Heaven's Church, they have such a unique focus on discipleship. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today. When we look at scriptures that talk about, you know, that God says, I am the potter, you know, you are the clay. Uh, well, we look in Isaiah 64 verse 8. It says, yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are our potter, and we all are the work of your hand. That really stands out to me. As I said, Mr. Matsuda is a well-known potter. In fact, to become a disciple of his takes 10 years of continued growth, maturing, learning how to uh, work with pottery and develop and it's really spectacular because even if you work 10 years, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to become a disciple. And as a believer in Jesus, he has developed his own discipleship process, which I kind of want to talk to you about today because here, this family, that they have a local church, they have the pottery, which hundreds and thousands of people come every year to look at this pottery. There's a village here in Okinawa. I think it, the town is called Yomi Town, and not Yummy Town, but Yomi Town. And 
in this place, there's different potters and they and people can come and look at all the different shops. And Mr. Matsuda is, is probably the most well-known out of all of them. He flies to different countries and people are very interested. And as a Christian who has this gift, he has such a unique perspective on discipleship. In fact, they even have a coffee shop now and other unique ministries. One of their sons is in Israel learning the Hebrew language and going to school there and really giving himself over to having a, a deeper burden for the Jewish people and praying for them. And so I love the uniqueness of discipleship because a lot of times we think discipleship in the West is just a classroom. And while I believe discipleship in a classroom is important. I mean, we have fire school of ministry. We have, I preach and teach a lot that I believe that Jesus time was not only in public with people trying to win the masses, but he was also spending probably half or more of his time with his disciples, living life together in community, eating together, fellowshipping together, uh, sharing parables and explaining things to them, seeing miracles and healing, and probably talking about these things um, and him trying to explain to them that he is the Messiah with, with, by helping them to engage their faith without him just ex you know telling them everything. And they didn't want him to die, but yet Jesus was preparing them as a disciple maker so that when he was gone and the they would be born again and the Holy Spirit would come, they would follow his pattern for living. So let me get into this. I have about six points that I want to share with you that I learned from Mr. Matsuda about what he does with pottery. And so pottery is made from clay and it has to be not only formed, but it has to go through intense heat and fire so that it can be uh, come a, a beautiful piece. And I'm going to show you a couple of the pieces here. Here's a, a small like teacup that they use. I hope that you can see that easy enough. You see the patterns. You see the inside, the detail. Now they make hundreds of these pieces uh, every year. And they have a kiln, which is this big place where they uh, shelve all the pottery that they made by hand and then this intense heat and fire comes to the uh, kiln and and just develops you can see this plate it's just so beautiful I'll show you all around they make bowls they make pitchers you know they make all kinds of different pieces and and here's like a, a pitcher which is just I can't even imagine. I tried to make some of this one time and Mr. Matsuda laughed at me and said that my piece looked like an idol. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's really so creative and unique. And so when I asked him about making pottery and making disciples, he gave me these principles of discipleship and I want to share them with you today. So number one, he said the clay is found in the northern Okinawan mountains. And you know, when the Lord is discipling you and I, 
he goes to seek and to save that which is lost. He goes to a place that maybe others would not be willing to go to and spend time with people that others would not want to be seen with. I thought it was really interesting that they go that far just to look for this specific clay. That it's not just any clay or any dirt that he's going to use, but there's a specific clay that he's looking for. You know, when Jesus came to give his life, he wasn't giving his life for animals or for fish or, or for even creation itself. He was giving his life for you and me because we were created in his image. And so when Jesus died for the sin of the world, he knew that by redeeming us, he can actually redeem this world. And in the book of Romans chapter 8, it says that all creation is groaning, that the sons of God would be revealed. That's you and I. That if we don't praise the Lord, the rocks have been crying out for centuries, saying there's a God. All creation, Rome, Romans chapter 1 tells us that there's a God. You know, so to be an atheist, I think, takes more faith than to believe that there's a God who created us in his own image. And and what, knowing that is wonderful, but knowing that this God in the person of Jesus Christ came so that we could be found because we were lost in our sin and sin leads to death. And he wanted to reconcile us to himself so that we could not only be saved from our sin by dying on the cross, but we could be redeemed, body, soul, and spirit. And you know, the next point is, he said, clay is first washed and all impurities are taken out. So he takes this clay and I saw it, it goes through this washing process, like these small little pools in the ground that they just throw it into and they wash this clay. I mean, interestingly enough, you know, the blood of Jesus washes our sin as far as the east is from the west. And, re, and God says he remembers it no more. And then when we surrender by faith and, uh, you know, by trusting Jesus with all of our heart, that he then asks us to be water baptized because, you know, when Nicodemus came to Jesus in John chapter 3, Jesus said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, well, how can I be born again? How can I go in my mother's womb again? And Nicodemus was only seeing it from a physical birth, but Jesus was talking about a spiritual birth. A birth that, that doesn't just come through a man and a woman, but comes from God himself. That he can actually cause us to come alive to him. You know, Paul tells us that we are dead in our sin. Sin just destroys and it brings famine, it brings war, it brings hopelessness, it brings depression. And yet Jesus is saying that when I forgive you of sin, I want to redeem you. And and I want to, in Romans, you know, chapter 12, it says that he wants to renew our minds. So Jesus is not just interested in us just going to heaven and being saved from our sin and being with him and flying around in heaven. But he wants us to know him now. He actually wants us to be washed with the water of his word so that when we are cleansed, we can actually pray the way that Jesus taught us.
And he said, when you pray, pray like this, right? Matthew 6, our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we are washed with the blood of Jesus, when he takes away all these impurities from our lives, we actually have an ability to partner with God, to ask him to come to earth as he is in heaven, and we help encourage and release the Lord to do what he wants to do. Yeah, God doesn't need us, but God has chosen to use us. And when we are redeemed by the blood that Jesus shed for us, we also get empowered by the Holy Spirit to go make disciples, to go share the good news of Jesus, to say, look, you can be clean. You can be holy. You don't have to be bound to your past, right? You can walk in forgiveness towards others. Bitterness doesn't need to continue to be a bad taste in your mouth. You can be holy as the Lord is holy. Praise God. And then he said, number three, that clay must become obedient. So God goes and finds the clay and then he washes all the impurities and then he must teach the clay how to become obedient. And I saw Mr. Matsuda take this clay and, and, and just shape and mold it and to think that it would become something so beautiful. Those of you who are able to watch on our YouTube channel, maybe you're just listening by radio and you can't see these things, but I wanna tell you this piece of pottery in front of me is gorgeous. It has all these beautiful blue colors on it and, and it's just formed and shaped and was pressed in upon and it, and it took time, just this one piece of pottery. And yet the Lord has made millions and billions of pieces of pottery uh, in history, you know. Each one of us is specifically formed by God. And even though we might be uniquely different, there's a lot of similarities that we all have. And all of us have to learn how to walk in obedience. All of us have to learn how to walk in truth. All of us have to learn how to not desire the things of the flesh. We have to learn how to mature. We're like babies when we get born again and we have to learn how to uh, feed ourselves. We have to learn how to take care of ourselves, clean ourselves up, uh, you know, how to go from crawling to walking, right? To eventually driving a car one day. And and yet obedience as a Christian, it, it takes time for us to learn. And the more that we look at the life of Jesus and the disciples, we read about uh, all these great men and women of God, the character that they lived out, and even those who failed and how they repented and put their trust in the Lord, it really will encourage you and me to learn how to produce the fruit of the Spirit. You know, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But in Philippians, he says that we, Paul says, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So it is possible to walk in obedience. It is possible to put away sin. It is possible to talk with uh, more love, to talk without cursing, to talk without allowing bad thoughts to control our lives and to walk around as slaves to lust and, and anger 
but we got to learn how to do it. It's a process. You know, if, if you're a, a believer today and you say, man, I've been struggling with sin, I want to encourage you with my favorite scripture verse. It's Matthew 3, verse 8. And John the Baptist is preaching and he says, produce fruit while keeping with repentance. You see, repentance is a lifestyle. It's not a one-time event. While I was praying for people at a church this past Sunday, uh, I, I preached for just under an hour with the translator, and then they wanted to be over by noon, and it was around noontime, and I said, well, would you like for me to pray for anybody invite? Yes, please, sure. So I invited, and, and everybody in the church came forward. There was a huge line, and for the next two hours, I prayed over every individual person, giving them prophetic words and encouragement. And then one lady, while I was praying, she said, is once saved, always saved true? And so I gave her my answer, and I said, no, I don't believe that that's true, that once we accept Jesus, that uh, we're just we can, you know, go sin and do the things that we want to do. I believe if we sin, we can become a slave to sin again, not because God leaves us or forsakes us, but we can leave him. Well, there's a whole story about the prodigal son, and yes, he came back eventually, but I don't want to take that chance. I don't want to die living in sin. I don't want to be living in the flesh. Paul warns us consistently that those who live in the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So just because we pray a prayer and we go to church and doesn't necessarily mean that the grace of God is going to overlook any sin that we commit after we become a believer. We have to walk and talk and act and think in obedience before the Lord and his word so that we can show ourselves to be his disciples, right? Not just by own good works, but our good works are empowered by the Holy Spirit, which he helps us to overcome. It says in the book of Revelation that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They didn't love their lives even so much as unto death. They were willing to lay themselves down so that Jesus Christ would be glorified. That's my goal for obedience and should be your goal for obedience is love and what Lord has done for us. And then number four, the clay is molded. He shapes his character within us. He presses in on us so that we can become something that God can pour his spirit into. And then he can use us and he's saying, I want to pour out through your life, you know, uh, refreshment, encouragement. You know, in the book of Proverbs, it says that he... Uh, who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I love the fact that God would choose to use me and you as a, a pitcher that he could pour his fresh, holy water into. And then we can go and we can pour ourselves out, our lives for others. We could serve people the love of Christ. We could show them that it's really possible to walk with Jesus and to live holy. Praise God. And then number five, the clay is placed into the fire. And you think about the process. First, God finds us like clay, dirt in the ground. Then he washes us with all, takes out all the impurities, teaches us to become obedient. And then he molds us. He forms us into the, our 
you know, who he created us to be and the uniqueness of our personality and the gifts and skills and talents and who we are. There's nobody else like us in the world. And then he places us into the fire. <laughs> and I'm sure some of you can identify with that. You've been through the fire with God. You've been through difficult situations, but yet he never left you or forsake, had forsaken you. He stayed he showed us that as we lean into him, and this is why we pray, is when the fire gets hot, we draw closer to the refreshing presence of the Lord. You know, we become like Moses in Exodus 33, who, who said, you know, that if you don't go with us, God, then we don't want to go anywhere without you. Because without you, we don't have any identity. You are our identity. And when we die to ourselves, when we go through fiery trials, when we go through hardship, I don't believe that was God's first choice, that he wanted us to experience pain. But as a Christian, when we realize Jesus took the greatest pain that we could ever have in our lives, the pain of sin and death, hopelessness and depression, he took all that upon himself, that when we get free from all that stuff, that even suffering and hardship doesn't intimidate the Christian, not because we're looking to suffer or have some weird idea that by suffering, you know, uh, purposely, you know, you know, uh, beating ourselves or uh, hurting ourselves physically. You know, even in the Philippines, there's some places once a year where people willingly crucify themselves. I think it's during the Easter season, which is coming up here. And they they have nails driven through their hands. They beat themselves with, you know, pieces of glass and, and, and sticks and stuff as if that's going to bring them closer to the Lord. That's not the type of uh, persecution and suffering the Lord wants us to have. Uh, the type of suffering and hardship that a Christian goes through is because they love Jesus. And by loving the Lord, we, uh, you know, we go against the world and its system and, and we get rejected. We get despised like Jesus was. We, uh, you know, sometimes people even uh, go through incredible hardship, you know, that that they never asked for. And I know of Christians and other nations and that have experienced great persecution, even here in Japan. Being a Christian is hard because it goes against the culture and this fire, you know, that they go through. It's like, wow, it seems so intense. But yet, I believe it's producing pioneers. I believe it's producing godly men and women. Like this church, Heaven's Church, they have a house of prayer here. And even though Japan is less than 1% Christian, they're not giving up. Like I, I was talking with the pastors today and some of the people in their house of prayer, they spend 30 hours a week in prayer. Others, 20 hours a week, you know, 15 hours or whatever they, uh, God calls them to do. And I'm thinking, that's just one individual. And these people work, they have families, but yet the fire of God that burns in them is not intimidated by the fiery trial that comes around them. <laughs> and I want to encourage you, no matter what you're going through in your life, my friend, draw near to God. 
Let the fire of God be so illuminated on the inside of you that what happens around you doesn't intimidate you anymore. Amen. And lastly, the clay is sold and it gets sent out to other people. People come and buy this pottery here because it's so valuable to them. Uh, you know, these pieces, uh, they sell for for some pieces, hundreds. He has one huge bowl, that, which is just, just this massive bowl. And I think it's worth like $4,000. But yet, it's handmade. You're not going to find this, you know, at the department store of your mall at Walmart. <laughs> you know, this kind of stuff is is uniquely man went through such an incredible process and this is your life and this is my life my friend that as we allow the lord to do in us to clean us up to press into us to let his fire you know burn in our hearts and around us that something beautiful comes from our lives and then people can look at this and they can see these, you and I, as a piece of pottery that was made by the Lord himself, the potter himself, and we can represent his kingdom. And then God can serve people his love, and they can taste and see of his goodness. I want to encourage you today, my friend. You know, Second Corinthians 4, 7-12, I'm going to close with this. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive and always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life might also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Today, my friend, life is at work within you. You are being discipled by the potter himself. I want to encourage you to know Jesus loves you and allow him to continue to do what he's doing in your life because he's faithful and he said, I'll never leave you ever, ever, ever. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. We look forward to being with you this next episode. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.